Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. We have a fun episode for you guys today. Jake did something stupid, <laughs> which he has been hiding from me for like almost two weeks now or it's a week a and week. a half. Not week. even a week. Well, it's felt like two weeks, but um, also we've got a little bit of news to get into as well. We do indeed. Um, before we do, though, we have to give a shout out to all our Patreons. Head over to patreon.com slash Overcrest for as little as $5 a month. You too can become a member of the Patreon and get exclusive content. You get goodies. You can communicate with us. We have our phone number on there that we need to we need to give more like credence to our phone number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a phone number if you want to call in and get on the show and leave us a voicemail. It's there. Yeah. So please head over to Patreon.com/slash/overcrest. Support the content creators that you like. Hopefully that's us. Hopefully that's us. Yeah. Don't be a freeloader. You know, it's five bucks. No. So, yes, Chris, I bought a new project, and I am super excited. Are you super excited about the project or super excited that I'm going to hate the project? I'm just excited that you're going to hate it. So I posted on on uh, on Instagram. I said, I told everybody what you did. Right. So I, I had sent you a text message, and you basically posted it, and it said, I'm doing a thing you will hate. And then you asked everyone what their guesses were as to what I was up to. Yes. And it is like a curated selection of all the things <laughs> that Chris publicly hates. <laughs> or what people think I actually hate. Right. So can- he, here are some of the best guesses here. Someone said, um, Jake must be selling the 911. I would not hate that. It's your car. You sell it if you want to. I would be a little bit bummed that my 911 buddy was selling his car. Oh, but 911 yeah. buddy. Yeah. Uh, someone said that Jake is raising the 911. Definitely would hate that. You yeah, would hate that. I would hate okay. that. Uh, someone said, I'm buying a Tesla. Uh, I've actually considered buying a Tesla, so I don't hate that. Okay. Someone said, I'm buying another Hummer. I would hate that. There's no purpose for that vehicle whatsoever, unless it is a real Hummer. <laughs> someone said, I'm probably buying new Birkenstocks. Well, it bought me generic Birkenstocks for my birthday. Well, that wasn't your real birthday. Gift. I know. He I comes just... in. He's like, here, have some birthday presents. I said, oh, this is great. Open up the first box. It's Miralax. Well, you are old. <laughs> bought me laxative, and he couldn't even buy me real Birkenstocks. Well, he had to buy me spend the money on those because I China. know you don't even like them no, and I, wouldn't wear them. They're fuzzy Birkenstock ripoffs so with gold it's buckles that I almost want to just chuck in the garbage from here. I'm, I'm fine with that, but Ugh. your gift wasn't here yet, and it's still not here, so I needed something for you to open. So you got laxative. And I think I think you bought me the laxative and the Birkenstocks for real, and I was so sad about it that you were like, "Oh, well, your uh, your real presents coming." No, later. no, no. It was I okay. can show you the receipt that's been okay. in the making for a while, and okay. I'm excited about that. But right. anyways, back to the list. Someone said I'm converting the 911 to an 80s whale tail with like big bumpers. Full hate. I would that would be that. for would a long long nose. Ooh, that'd be bad. Uh, someone said I'm converting the 911 to electric. That you know, probably two or three years ago, I would have hated that. But, uh, and your car runs great. So I would kind of hate it in that regard to have your car take it apart and do that. But, you know, if your car didn't run and it needed a motor, I would be okay with kind of messing around and having a project and playing around with it. That would be cool. It would be interesting. I'd I'd like to learn. A lot of people are thinking I'm like converting things. So another guess was us converting my Birkenstocks to driving shoes, which is impossible. (laughs) I think that's kind of cool. Someone said I'm buying a Fiero. I don't know that I would hate that. Fieros are kind of cool. Yeah. I'd like to, I've field. never been in one, but I remember my uncle had one back in the day. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, man, that is a sports car. Yeah, because you that look thing. at it, and yeah, it's so man, weird. Just, yep. It's the only mid-engine car ever made He was made able to survive ownership company. somehow. What's that? I said it's the only mid-engine car ever made by an American company. Take that back, because that is not true anymore. Well, up until that point. Until the new Corvette. Corvette. Yeah. Stupid Corvette. Yeah, <laughs> uh, someone said I was leaving a car 
factory height. Yeah, that always bugs me. I wish you would lower that Macan. It would look a lot better. I am lowering. Oh, you are? Good. See? I'm doing the electronic module lowering. Oh, is it just, just like a little arm that you add to the... No, that's dumb. That's stupid. Because so, that screws up your geometry and everything else. Okay. My Porsche mechanic friend said they figured out how to basically hack the system. Uh -huh. And so it thinks your car is 25 millimeters lower than it is. So when you're in low mode, it's like really low. So it's air ride is what yeah, it is. Yeah, I, okay. I have factory sure. air ride. So uh, someone said I'm lengthening my exhaust pipes. <laughs> you would be a fan of that. Yeah, uh, someone said he's fitting a full Renline jewelry set to the Macan. <laughs> I bet they do make a bunch of stuff for the mechanic. I have the battery, or the, um, not the battery. <laughs> I have the phone mount from Renline. For I have the, that in every single car of mine. Yeah, that, that I like. That lot. is pretty sweet. Uh, someone said I'm putting an even smaller, even stupider battery in the 911. Not possible. <laughs> is this is as small and stupid as it gets. So, and our good friend uh, Cash said I'm trading the 996 for a Murano convertible. And would you do this? No. You love the Murano convertible, though. Yeah, but that would be a terrible trade as far as value. <laughs> I don't know. Those am, Murano I, convertibles are pretty rare. They are, actually. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that none of you were correct. Now, you've what built this I up did. pretty pretty big. You've built it up that I'm going to hate this. So, I'm sending what is you it? a photo. Okay. To my phone? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm ready. It's so bad that it's not even showing up. My phone has said no. <laughs> All right, here it is. What do we got? No, come on. <laughs> what is this thing? Is this some, this thing looks awful. It looks like it's from 1970, some terrible it's motorcycle movie. It's 1978 Harley Ironhead Sportster. It is hideous. It is absolutely hideous. It, it is has hideous. flames from the 80s on it. it Even is, on the seat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Matching leather seat with flames on it as well. And the, the grips have leather flames on them. There is a lot of flaming terribleness on this thing. Okay, why did you buy another Harley? You barely rode the one that you had. Well, because I always wanted like an old iron head. You wanted something with three inches of suspension travel or less or what? Uh, I want no suspension travel. I'm, uh, I'm, yes. I'm sending you my plan for it right okay. now. It's going to be a full hardtail conversion. Strip out all the electronics. I ordered a Magneto. So what you're doing is you're doing the ricer version of a Harley. How is that a ricer version of a Harley? It just, it's a bobber. That's uh, a bobber. I guess. It's going to be great. I'm going to be recording all my progress on it. I don't know, man. It's going to be sweet. I, I don't really like how that looks very much. I hope it doesn't look like this one. What one don't you, you like me. about that one? I don't like the color combination. Well, no, I it's don't not like... going to be white. It'll be black. Okay, I don't like the, how high the tank sits. It sits up really high. It seems like A lot of guys do a tank lift for some reason that actually is not a tank lift that just has clip they make the tank bars. higher than this yes oh awful no <laughs> can't do it no i don't hate this i like that you've got a little project going on although i think that you probably have way more projects on your 911 that you should be working on like it the door's barely shut i would maybe That's focus not on as it. fun though chris uh, having your door shut is actually quite fun because yeah, i can slam it and it shuts yeah you have to put about 750 newton meters of force <laughs> into the door to get it to shut all yeah, right so, so I, that's my latest project Follow i don't along. disapprove i don't disapprove i'll post a photo of just how terrible it looks right now and all of its 1980s glory oh it is brutal yeah Oof. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how much was this thing uh that was eighteen hundred dollars that hideous looking thing that was eighteen hundred dollars cheapest harley you can find ever wow it's very good deal so what is it's just a v-twin is that what that yeah, is? It's a thousand cc V twin. It's uh, got the overhead valves. It's not a flathead, but it has the cams uh, in the crankcase there. What's interesting is, so I'm. Do you know anything about magneto ignition? Not well. Not yes, but 
okay. elaborate. So generally these early, early Harleys had a magneto ignition. That is to say all of the ignition components, the, the magneto makes its own spark and charge for the spark plugs. There's no other battery needed. There's no generator needed. It's all just a single unit. Still used on a lot of like airplanes and- So super reliable, boats. EMP proof. Exactly. Yeah, that yes. sounds great. You should make it into more of an apocalypse bike. Well, I'm, I'm, I already ordered a magneto conversion for it. Okay. So that's going to be sweet. I'm going to the But if it looks out. like this, I would expect you to have high heels on when you're wearing it. <laughs> what does that mean? It just doesn't, it looks super Nancy. Would you like, some, I have a whole collection of like inspiration photos. Well, that's the one you chose to send me is a white version with bronze wheels. It looks horrible. It's got a German flag on it. I don't understand. I, these, I do like this builder because they do all motorsport inspired um, like themes. And I would like to see like a super, super utilitarian thing with this magnet where it's just bulletproof. It's always going to run. I want the hardtail though, where it's just no suspension in the rear. Those yeah. pipes I just sent you on this one are pretty terrible, but you get the idea. That's the tank rise right that, there. That's what you're looking at. Yeah, but it looks different because the tank is actually lower, but it's next to the handlebars. See how it looks like level with the handlebars? Right. Like it's all one nice curvy shape. Yep. The one you sent me up top, the tank is back another eight inches and just sitting there out in the middle of nowhere. Looks horrible. <laughs> looks horrible. So I did. Uh, I started working on the caddy. Yeah, I saw that, which is... Wow. There's a lot yeah. of rust there. Yeah. I pulled the motor out of the caddy after the after the podcast last week and just because I was super motivated. And why, be, why were you so motivated? I don't know. I was just really like, I want to start this project, right? Yeah. And it's it's really rusty. And it, you did not expect this to be I did not bad. expect it to be as bad as it was because the last time that I did anything with the truck, it was not this bad. Yeah. Right. And well, how many years ago was that? Probably seven or eight years. Yeah. So it sat it sat in dirt for seven was or eight years. Was it on the ground? On the ground. Oh. It was on the ground. Why was it on the ground? The didn't it have wheels? Because grandma didn't like the way it looked and didn't want it in the driveway. Okay. So she didn't want this old oh, truck. Oh, so it just kind of sank down into the dirt. Not not it well, if it had sank into the dirt, it probably wouldn't be as rusty. But it was kind of just elevated. It's really in the area that it is is next to the garage and it's always kind of damp over there. Yeah. And it just it really got really, really bad. And the reason that it's so bad is on the on the pickup trucks, yep. you have, uh, this is very common, you have a strut tower with a frame rail, just right. a very common design. Almost all cars are built this way. But to, Unibody to, cars. To, yep. to beef it up, they put another, they had another panel that they designed that they slapped on the inner fender <laughs> and then welded it to like strengthen Sure, the it's a reinforcement fender. panel. And all that did is make it a rust rust enhancement panel right because it's, any moisture that gets in between those two panels has nowhere to go it's right. trapped and it just was a seam sealer was not done well i don't know what happened some people uh pontificate that the steel that was used was left over from other cars oh, at this interesting. plant yeah because it was built it's called a westy because it was built in westmoreland pennsylvania right is where the plant was and they say oh yeah well the trucks used this other steel that they had and that's one of the reasons why it was this tainted steel which is why it was left tainted behind steel. It tainted steel that sounds <laughs> it's like, like a, it's evil right yeah, it's, it's like possessed steel it sounds like a, oh, like it's a, a cursed it's a musical like a heavy metal musical yeah. tainted steel tainted steel just like <laughs> uh what was oh god what was the from well these people haven't heard yet on monday's episode we have another metal band name yes i yes, forget what do. it was yes we do so it's 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 really bad so the strut tower is okay the frame rail is okay but everything is, it. yes this has been extract destructively distilled into rust and the the metal in between the strut tower and the frame rail is basically gone. Yeah. And the entire inner fender is gone. And I had this huge conflict, right? Because I go, mm. 
wow, I told grandpa I was going to do this. But if you had seen this car sitting as it were right now, would you say it's I would have sold it. I would have had him sell it and get the money. Just toast. Just it's, not, it's well, too rusty. Not worth it. Not worth it. And, you know, the, <sighs> the emotional struggle is that I felt all of a sudden really guilty that I didn't want to do it anymore mm. because I'm like, wow, this is an incredible amount of work. So have you heard the old adage about uh, George Washington's axe? Sure. Right. I know the story. It's the same axe, but it has had 30 different handles replaced and the head's been replaced 15 times. Yes. But it's still the same axe. Yeah. Why don't you buy a different truck from like Arizona that's rust free and just move everything over to it? Because it'll still be grandpa's truck. Because then you've skipped the 30 axe heads and 30 handles that it took to get there. You've missed the entire story of all the different people that handled that axe and why it was replaced and why the shaft broke on a, on a winter day and on December 31st, 1786. And all these different stories that went into replacing yeah, the axe. It'll be a 50 working times. axe. Yeah, but it's just not the same. Okay, it's just not the same. You're, it, I understand what you're saying with the story, but there's you've, you've skipped the 30 years of axe transference. Okay, right? how about this? Can you just do these Mark 1s? Can you like replace the front clip? So here's the thing is I was on Instagram kind of talking about this. Honestly, I almost lost it. I almost cried. I felt so bad, so bad about not being able to do this truck. And it was kind of like this self You know what? The thing. more I get to know you, the more I realize you are a very emotional person. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I literally just sat on the floor of my office and almost cried that I was not going to be able to build this truck for grandpa because the thing was so rusty. And, you know, it was, I was just kind of sharing my, my train of thought and my train of emotion with this. And in the end, I'm like, I'm doing it. Okay. I'm going to do the truck. I've got, if anything, I can just lap weld steel. I can cut, cut it all out, see what's there. And then just fucking lap weld steel. That's true. It doesn't have it. to be a show truck. It doesn't have to be a show truck. It just needs to be safe. Right. Okay. It just needs to be. Not, I don't want the motor to fall out of it or the frame rail to fall off. And then I was doing my, I did a live stream, worked on the truck to kind of ground I stuff away. I love how you, you mounted the phone like up on your ceiling. I did. I mounted the phone that on the ceiling. Cool. It was, was kind of cool. And then I wanted to do another Instagram story. So I had to take it down. And then I didn't end up putting it back up because I had to keep climbing on the roof of the truck to, <laughs> to put it up there. I was like, this sucks. I'm not doing this. Anyway, so I started grinding away the metal and I'm like, you know what? This isn't so bad. I think uh -huh. I can fix this. I think I can do it. And then someone messaged me. He's like, hey, I've got this cabriolet that uh -huh. has a strut trower and a frame rail and he's going to cut it off probably tomorrow and bring it over this weekend so i can just hack the whole thing right. off and weld the whole new one on yeah and is that's it what only i'm going to do one side the other side is is rusty but nowhere near okay it'll be easy to patch there's you a couple spots okay and I'm, I'm still probably going to grind off all the undercoat undercoating on the inner fender and see how, what things look like sure um but i think i'll be able to take care of that so i'll just rust treat what's there yep and it's it's fine and then i'll just I don't know, just paint over it with DuPont stuff or whatever and, and be done with it. The yep. other side is still connected. It has, <laughs> it's still connected to so the truck. Is that the, the, cause I also saw underneath the cab, like the yep, floor the is toast right where it mounts to the rear control arm. So what do you the, do there? Just weld in steel. Just okay. bend a bunch. You can buy floors. I can buy the floor yeah. and weld the floor in and then basically weld plates around where that control arm mounts and just be done with it. I suppose this isn't an old valuable 911. It's not where valuable. You're, where you're like concerned about doing it right. Right. Because you're you enhancing just, the value of it. This, right. This thing is scrap metal. 
right. without if so I don't you're do just anything. Continuing its journey. Yeah, just continue the journey of the truck, make it work, make it run. Um, the least favorite, the thing I'm least looking forward to is taking the interior out of the truck because I know there's probably like 76 dead mice in there. Yeah. So I'm not. Really, you better get your cat Pepper in there first. Yeah. Well, Pepper wanders around in the in the in the garage fairly often. I chuck him out there overnight a few times. Yeah. You know, <laughs> see what you can do, Pepper. There's never any evidence of the carcass. He eats the whole mouse. Really? Just eats the whole thing. There's nothing left. Eyeballs, tail, everything. Just eats the whole Don't mouse. He doesn't vomit it up afterward, then? No, nope, just eats the whole thing. Huh. All done. Well, that's very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into a little... Before we get into a little bit of news, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Akin Driving Gear. They were founded by true enthusiasts who create everyday gear that celebrates the very act of driving. Most driving shoes, it turns out, are designed for track days and aren't great to just walk around in every day. Akin wanted to change all that since every drive deserves a good shoe, not just the occasional track day. Their driving shoes are more versatile than dedicated racing shoes, but are far better for driving than your average running shoe or sneaker. Put simply, the Shift, which is the model of shoe that I'm wearing right now, is a modern sneaker for those who love to drive. They feature a rounded heel for a more comfortable foot movement on the pedals, and the unique heel-toe guard prevents scuffing during any technical pedal work. Check out the Shift driving shoe along with their other apparel at akingear.com, and be sure to use the code OVERCREST for free priority shipping in the U.S. All right, so um, in in most important news, a rich man has given a company a lot of money to build a car <laughs> for him to never race, even though he says he's going to race it. This is, of course, the Singer Safari-style 911 yeah, build. Yeah, the, the all-terrain competition study. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the new Singer is called the Singer All-Terrain Competition Study. Its owner commissioned it to go racing making it Singer's first competition-ready vehicle. Uh, helping it uh, in this department was the United Kingdom's Tuthill Porsche, an expert in turning classic 911s into rally machines. Now, Tuthill Porsche is amazing. Okay. okay. They build some of the most phenomenal rally, rally-based rally 911s ever. Okay, they're so they're phenomenal. legit. They are, the, they are the legit bar standard for air-cooled 911 rally cars. Okay, that's okay. awesome. So you would think... That all of a sudden that would make the singer cool. I've and seen I'm, it. I'm on an island. I feel like everybody, you, you everybody are. absolutely is filating this thing. If they're putting this thing so far down their throats Jesus. that they're not going to be able to breathe Come for on. like two weeks. Come on. I I agree. When I first saw it, I was like, this seems over the top, and I don't want to like it. And then I read more about it and learned more about it, and I like it. Yeah, it's great on a mechanical standpoint, but then you've got all these like beautifully, beautifully. Hold on. Beautifully crafted exterior components made of special carbon fiber, and some of these panels come off, and there's diamond stitch leather underneath the carbon fiber, and oh, look at these perfectly honeycombed grills and these. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's it's. What? What's it, your problem with it? It is completely overwrought. This is a Porsche shaped like a flashlight for rich people. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what this is. You it ridiculous. is completely unrelatable. I don't understand. I don't understand. I agree it's on a different level, but that's what makes it cool to me. It's, if you think of any safari-styled, rally-styled 911, and then think of the utmost, most luxurious, fastest, most powerful. Those are two things that shouldn't be going together. They do nobody every went single to the, no, singer Nobody car. went to the Dakar rally and was like, wow, I really wish okay. I had diamond stitch pleating on my seats. That's that not what never Singer happened. builds. Does Singer build race cars? 
No. no. They build luxury, high-end, the best of the best quality and craftsmanship versions of the 911 reimagined. That's what this is. It just I, happens to fine, also be. That doesn't mean I have to like what they imagined. Okay, this is a. I see when I think of rally car right. competition. Right. I think of weight savings, and obviously this thing's all carbon fiber. But then you went and added a bunch of crap that nobody needs <laughs> in this car. Like, what are we doing? I don't understand. Like, technically, if you look at this thing on paper, it's absolutely phenomenal yeah it's got a ton of horsepower 450 horsepower 420 feet pound feet of torque obviously you're gonna be able to increase that if you want to a permanent four all-wheel drive five-speed sequential gearbox it's a sequential i've never heard a sequential on an air-cooled car I, it's, I, it's cool it, it is the so car, cool on paper it is cool but when you look at it you just go wow this is the most overwrought thing i've ever seen it's not it's, that's yes, but that is what it is. You want a stripped down bear rally car. Because that's what competition is. Nobody goes, oh, we built this car. The, 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 the top secret mystery owner can't wait to compete with this thing. With who? With who? On the so, way to where? Is he going to compete with the guy with the Subaru BRZ on his way to Cars and Coffee? I, read, I don't understand. Who are we competing with? <laughs> and then he built another one in yeah, red say, so he I, could drive it around a tarmac. Are we going to, like, is he going to race? Is he going to have his one of his other buddies be like, all right, you drive the red one. I'll no, drive the I right one. I think he's actually going to, like, enter these things in rally stages. What, what, what rally stage? Competing with who? I don't with know, what? With what sanctioning? Rally. With what sanctioning body? It's so FA, he's competing. It's, it's only FIA. a competition if you're competing with someone else. I Otherwise, it's just masturbation. Are you going to eat your words when we see this thing on rally stages? I absolutely will. If someone takes this thing out and proves it to me, prove it to me. Put it in competition. I need to see it. This thing needs to reform. I'm sure we will Otherwise, see it if this it thing is goes just out. absolute masturbation, and I just cannot relate with it. I don't. That's fine. Why do you need to relate with it to appreciate it? I appreciate the, on paper that. Why are you so angry, Chris? I don't. I just. It's. <laughs> I don't understand. It's, it's an amazing feat. This of thing is like probably one point two five million dollars. Yeah, if not more. If why I would appreciate this thing if it was like this this boiled down like machine that's just the the best possible mind. If you had two or three million dollars to give to Tuthill Porsche to build me a rally car. If Singer wasn't involved, yeah. this is just me projecting now. I don't know Richard from Tuthill very well. Okay, if I was a guy that went to Richard and said, hey, I want to build the best possible rally car in existence uh -huh. for an air-cooled 911. I've got $2 million. Build it for me. I guarantee you. Uh -huh. I'm 99, oh, let me say, I'm 99% oh, sure it wouldn't look anything like this. Because this thing is, oh, it's so beautiful. It's all so beautiful. Look how, it, they lost me at the diamond-stitched leather in a functional if competition rally car two million dollars on a car the guy probably wants to sit in a leather seat it's gone beyond a tool and just become a beautifully designed porsche that's, that's, that's what singer does but Chris. that's not a competition car anymore what the whole every article i read on this is <laughs> they've they've built a competition car car for competition owner wants to take it racing where I will eat my words if someone goes out and beats the shit out of this thing. Because that's why it's cool. When we did all you see the video? I did. And it oh, it's fucking awesome. awesome. It is so great. That sequential gearbox. And I give a 4% chance that that's actually what happens with this thing. It's just like they every other thing. Dirty. They took apart the wheel bearings. They it was, So what you're telling me uh -huh. is that the guys at Tuthill Porsche went out and took this prototype out and beat the hell out of it? Looks like it. Great. Now let's make sure that the owners do the same. That's and they why don't, it was built. 
That's why he built two of them, Chris. If you can afford this car, you have two of them. One to have your nice daily driver and the other one. Nobody's daily driving this the thing. Heck out of. Nobody's daily driving this thing. You could barely get in and out of it because it's got FIA approved seats. Yeah, you can, you can, which means it's going racing, Chris. Yes, it's going. You're going to be the first one to cars and coffee in the morning. I, I really, really, <laughs> I really want someone to prove me wrong. This car technically on paper is amazing yes it's got these crazy adjustable struts it's got the great gearbox oh, it's, got it's got double the motor. dampeners and every it's got corner. like a navigation computer for doing rally which i don't know why you need that you just have a little notebook that says nine left turn left over crest you know i, I like that a little bit better right but obviously we're leaning on technology here a little bit i, just, I do like i've must, never seen it must be used if it's been created by a guy who says he wants to compete with it and race with it i need to see it show me the money it's do what you say you're gonna do for you it's gonna i see this as the pagani zonda of porsches sure where nobody really drives it they just sit around and look pretty that's all i see when i see this that's it what did you think of singer's previous uh study the dls the design lightweight whatever. where is it well, where only, tell me where they are built two of them okay so big deal so why am i supposed to love this car that they only built two of that nobody can afford it just okay you studied it was commissioned. what it's where's the car there's been no news on the on the lightweighting study in two years where is it it's not on the track i want to <clears> see <throat> it let's get it out there let's put it up against uh some of the other guys that are building uh these aftermarket 911s Let's do it. Let's have a competition. Let's see who can build the best reimagined thing of the thing we already love. Can we do that? Why are you so angry about this? I'm not angry. I'm just impassioned about these. About what? What is your passion? What are you? What's the problem? I, there is a problem for you. I, what is the problem? The problem is, is that the they're using the, when we look at the video uh -huh. of this car, we love that it's being used. Look at what yeah. that thing is doing. Yeah. We, it is doing what we want to do. You want to get in that car and you want to drive it on the beach and beat the hell out of it yeah. and jump it and do all the different things that it yeah. can do. We all want to do you. those things. Nobody's going to do those things. They're going to make one or two of these things and it's going to be this big masturbatory fest over Singer and then it's going to disappear <laughs> completely. You want something cool? Richard's or the title guys build real cars that people really rally. They yeah. are real. Yeah. They do it and they don't post on Instagram about it. They do it because they love it. It's not for anyone else. They just want to do it. They want to drive. And the same thing with all the guys that buy uh, cars from Lee Keen. Right. There's a bunch of those dudes, and they're not posting on Instagram about it. Neither it's, is this guy. What if he's out there driving right now? What are you talking right about? Now? Have you seen social media? This thing is everywhere. Yeah, but it's not him on Instagram. I'm surprised posting. I didn't wake up with an imprint of this thing on my face Jesus. from like it being so close to the phone that was just pulsating with so photos of this in order thing. for this thing to be even remotely cool to you you need to have proof that it's being used as designed yes absolutely that, otherwise it's masturbation what if it's the guy's using else. it and he doesn't care who knows it obviously he does look what the, all the the social media and everything that was else singer that was not the owner that commissioned it i guarantee you that maybe there's nothing Maybe. saying this guy isn't out there right now in the foothills of wherever just driving this thing I would guarantee you with the marketing machine that Singer is, if that was happening, we'd know about it. Interesting. I can almost guarantee it. I can, I can. So Chris, am I cooler? Because I drove the piss out of my 3.6 liter twin turbo all wheel drive 911 in the snow on the way here. Yes. In my mind, probably. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same reason that anything that just sits around is immediately not as cool. We need to see this stuff used. Otherwise, 
All it is is demonstrations on, here's how rich I am. I'm going to show you. We're going to go way above and beyond anything else we've ever done because, hey, Singer, I've got $10 million. Let's build this car, which on face value is kind of cool. Like, let's see what's possible, but don't lie to me. Don't lie to me and say that you built this thing for competition, for racing. It's You better do it then. You better do it. Don't lie to me. That's that's all I'm saying. It's got to happen. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a giant scam. I'm going to play because I just love how it sounds with the sequential box. Oh, I bet it sounds I'm gonna, awesome. I'm going to play this. You can't even hear the engine. No, it's, it's just, just straight gear cut gear. It's a gearbox. Oh, <laughs> just jumping through puddles. Oh, red up to red line. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds great. As a machine, it sounds great. But I think the premise is a lie. I think what they're telling everybody that it's built for <laughs> is a lie. I just... What if they said the highest engineered, like, most beautiful, most luxurious car that happens well, now to you're be saying, a rally you're saying, 911? Well, hey, well, if they said it is, isn't what it is, would you, would you like it then? It doesn't matter. This is what they said. So... Let's do it. And they did the same thing with the lightweighting study. Like, oh, this is, you know, competition ready. You know, it's the, it's the best of this, the best of that. Okay, prove it. Where's the lap times? Why hasn't this thing been taken to the Nürburgring? Where is it? There's been nothing. It's been it's disappeared for two years. I looked. I couldn't find a news article on the lightweighting study singer in two years. Where's the car? Where, what happened? Where did it go? Is this like the cyber truck of custom <laughs> Porsches where it just shows up and then disappears? This is the Tesla Roadster where they say it does all these different things and then poof, it's gone? Yes. You could never compete. You'd have If you were going to compete in competition with this thing, yeah. you would have to have spares. You would have to have a team. This It's not real. This is just, we would build this like, hypothetically, we could compete with this car because it's just all this amazing technology. But it takes so much more than that to build something that can withstand really competing. This thing would never survive the Dakar oh, I rally. Oh, it would. Never. No. Oh, it would. You think it's going to survive the Dakar rally? Yep. I, I doubt it. I doubt it because it's never, it hasn't been through any testing other than driving around in the dirt. So and you're the, saying Twithill it didn't? Do their homework on designing this thing. I don't know. We need to find out. Well, but I don't think we're ever going to find out. That's the problem. Jeez. Speaking of Dakar and rally racing, the Dakar is over. What do you mean over? I don't care about it at all, and neither will you. Shortly before the green flag fell on the 2021 Dakar rally, which actually just started a few days ago on the 3rd, the FIA decided to implement a speed limit on five categories of four-wheel drive vehicles. Entries. Wait, speed limit. Why? Speed limit? Literally a speed limit. A race with a speed limit. Yes. Next story. We're already done. I'm out. <laughs> Entries in the T1. Let me just So tell then you it why. doesn't matter if you've got a five-speed sequential gearbox no, right. with 450 horsepower. Fine. This thing would be fine. It could just idle along. Let me tell you why this happened. Entries in the T1 and T2 classes, which are the event's fastest vehicles, are now restricted to 112 miles per hour top speed, while vehicles in the T3, T4, and T5 categories, which include light prototypes, UTVs, and trucks, are limited to just 81 miles per hour top speed. The new rule came after heavy lobbying by Toyota. The Japanese automaker reportedly wished to keep the X-Raid mini cars from running away on the fastest stages. The rivalry runs deep and many machines have taken the class win for Dakar in five of the last nine years. So this you is know what just this sounds sheer like? idiocy. This sounds like Can-Am. 
It sounds like the death of Cam Am oh. when Porsche was kicking so much ass. So they just, and everybody's like, well, <laughs> and then the, the, the event just disappeared because they're nobody literally whining. The team is whining because they're slow. So they want to limit the race. It is over. This is idiocy. I don't know how the organizers think this was good for anything. Well, you have race, uh, you have race cars that have to be built within a certain box all That's the time. That's fine. But when you put a speed limit on a race, what is that? Can you imagine yeah. any race, there's a speed limit? That is idiotic. Because then I imagine these cars are all capable of well, doing how, 112 do, very do, do we quickly. know how fast they were going before? I don't. Do you know that number? I don't. Like, how much are we slowing them down is, is kind of a question. Like, where... But wow, Toy, what was Toya? We're going to pull out of the Dakar if, we, if you don't make everybody They else. must have said that. That's, That's the only way I can figure they have leverage where the FAA is so like, well, okay, we'll change it then. Uh, the Dakar is being held right now entirely in Saudi Arabia due to COVID-19 concerns. It kicked off on January 3rd and ends on the 15th. Stage one is already complete. And guess who won, Chris? The mini won anyway. The mini won anyways. You're damn right. Oh, man. I would... I, it's it's a pity. You know, it's that's, a huge that's, pity. That's, that's a bummer. All right, so BMW, as it turns out, is really bad at marketing. How many times have we started a... <laughs> a BMW story a BMW that's really that bad shows with? that they're really bad at marketing. So they came out with a video to celebrate the new year. Yeah. Happy New Year. We're, we love you. We're cool. BMW. Yeah, great. Um, marketing and, team at work. Yes, and they played a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they played a video of a M2 uh, BMW drifting around a track. M2, one of oh, it's a phenomenal car. Yeah, it, it is like one of could be one of the last great BMWs ever built. Yep, judging by the way things are going, right for them. Um, and the odometer rolls from 2020 to 2021. Oh, that's clever. And, yeah, it's clever. And yeah, then like that's that. you know just to kind of promote. I'm just gonna play a sound clip for you. This is from the from the from video, the official on, marketing which, which video on Instagram. <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm laughing because i know problem. what's wrong here's the problem okay what's wrong <laughs> that is not an m2 that is not an m2 that is a v10 yes and bmw does not make anything with a v10 not anymore um lamborghini does okay lamborghini makes a v10 let me actually play you a sound of what an actual m2 uh what it actually sounds like that sounds great yeah why wouldn't they just use that I don't know. I like that better. Yep. This is now. This is a. It sounds awesome, right? That is awesome. It's, uh, now, here's the thing. That's an M2 competition, right? So now, if they would have had a regular M2, and maybe they fudged and put the M2 competition that sound I in there, let it slide. You I would have let it you slide. You kind of understand, but <clears throat> this just goes to show you how out of touch. BMW marketing is and yeah. how far removed they are oh from goodness. anybody in the engineering so department. So it's actually a Lamborghini. That was proven. It's surmised that it's a Lamborghini V10. So not only did they change Why? the sound, they <laughs> added sound from another manufacturer. Now here's the problem is this is seems like it might be a symptom of, well, we just create sounds in the engine compartment anyway. True. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't we just make yeah. this one fit? Like the i8 that I drove just pipe sound in through the speakers because a three cylinder would sound like dog shit on the right. rise, right? Yes, absolutely. So they just pipe the sound in. This is just like the symptom of, well, it doesn't, it's not, hasn't been real for like 10 years. We've been piping sound in. So why don't we just change the sound to whatever we want? This engine sounds good. Why did they just choose a Formula One V10? That would have been even better. Just, just swap it in, wow. do whatever you want. So uh, BMW is a liar. They are liars. <laughs> <laughs> so have you heard at all about the $100 per kilowatt hour 
uh, benchmark for electric cars? I have not. What does that mean? Okay, so journalists and manufacturers for quite a while now have been saying that there is a kind of this invisible line of a off, tipping point. A tipping point of a hundred once. Once electric cars, their battery cost comes down to $100 per kilowatt hour, mm-hmm. you're going to see the tipping point where it no longer makes sense for anyone to buy a combustion engine car. It just wouldn't make sense because the cost just doesn't make. Now the cost is basically, that's where they're equal and people will buy They're going to make the choice. That just, just financially. Make, right. It, you're, <clears throat> to make the choice for a combustion engine thing, you're going to have to be constantly saying, I want a combustion engine. Right. Not it just that doesn't a make, regular person is going to choose the electric car. Because if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, so lithium, we've, we have reached the $100 per kilowatt hour uh, benchmark, sort of. Uh, Lithium-ion battery pack prices, which were above $1,100 per kilowatt hour in 2010. So since then, we've fallen 90%. And we're at around $137 per kilowatt hour in 2020. And by average, by 2023, the average prices will be close to that 100 kilowatt hour. But for the first time, battery pack prices of less than 100 kilowatt hour have been reported. These were for batteries and e-buses in China. While these were the lowest reported price, the volume-weighted average price for them was slightly higher at 105. So we basically were, were there, right? Yeah. We, it's the first kind of we're like just seeing the first, glimmer. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like, okay, an asteroid could hit the planet at any time. And then some guy, some astronomer looks through his telescope and goes, oh shit, there it is. That's this. <laughs> so you're obviously framing this as a negative thing is, with your analogy. I'm just saying, I'm just saying this is, this is here. And uh, they're thinking by 2023, we'll be there. And by 2030, it's going to be $58 per kilowatt hour. Wow. It's kind of the projected uh, path that we're taking. So, you know, within 10 years, it's going to be much cheaper. Much, well, much, that's much good cheaper. because manufacturers aren't going to be making gas cars anyways in 10 years. Right. And uh, <laughs> so side note, it, mm-hmm. someone still has to sell these cars, right? Okay. Greenpeace is secret shopping Volkswagen dealerships. Why? Because what, they, what does that mean? It's they, they say that Volkswagen is doing too little to promote sales of electric cars. So they went to secret shop a bunch Why of Volkswagen dealerships. Why does that matter? Because they don't like cars. This is, <laughs> this is Greenpeace. This is people that tie themselves to tanks. Okay. Okay. Um, the organization published a paper following probing conversations that had at 50 Volkswagen dealerships in Germany doing a mystery shopping spree. Okay. The Greenpeace buyers were uh, secret shoppers with a mission. So basically what they did is they created um, the profile of the perfect person to buy an electric car. Okay. They, their daily routes were short. They had a garage. They could... They could charge it. Yep. They had a, they had the money to afford it in the right. first place. So all of the things that would profile a person that would they would buy an ID three. Right, it's perfect for them. This is the car for you. Right, you should buy one. Um, half of the mystery shoppers came to one of the eight hundred sixty five VW dealerships offering the ID three on behalf of VW, pretending to be entirely open to uh-huh. anything. Yeah, sure. The other half approached the dealer, saying they were only uncertain whether to opt for the ID three or the Golf eight. Uh huh. Despite matching the profile. And sometimes expressing interest, VW dealers still recommended a car with a combustion engine in 27 cases and advised to buy an ID3 directly only under uh, only eight times. Sure. That's it. The fix- I, I don't. Okay. First of all, have you ever been to a car dealership, Chris? Yes. Have you ever talked to a car salesman, Chris? I hate it so much. My point here is the car salesman is not the representative for the brand. They are interested only I agree with in you. whatever 
gets them the best outcome as far as sales commission or meeting numbers, et cetera. It's not necessarily all of that. I'm going to get to your, I'm going to, I agree with you, but I'm going to add to that point in a second. Okay. Um, the Greenpeace says, quote, the fixation on internal combustion engines. <laughs> it's a fixation. <laughs> it's a fixation. Uh-huh. According to Greenpeace was particularly evident when the mystery shoppers did not mention the topic of e-mobility at the beginning of the conversation. It's all interesting for them. interested in the Golf 8, but first let me tell you about e-mobility, Chris. Yes, that's what they want them to be doing. In 17 out of 25 cases, the VW salespeople then recommended a combustion engine only once it was suggested as, as we talked about. Volkswagen has reacted to requests to comment following Greenpeace's findings that they would do little to push electric car sales. Volkswagen said, quote, no other auto manufacturer is promoting the transformation towards electric mobility as massively as Volkswagen. The Volkswagen brand alone is investing 11 billion euros in e-mobility between 20 and 2024, reads a recent statement. And I can tell you that Volkswagen bigwigs and the guys at the corporate office can push it all they want. They can try, 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 mm-hmm. but guess what? The dealership has to make money. Yep. And how does a dealership make money? There's two ways. Service. That's the number one. Yep. And the other is uh, leasing, sure. interest rates, You know, getting loans, all that kind of thing. Those are the two ways that they make money. They don't necessarily make a ton of margin on a new car. Right. It's the financing and the and the service. They right. get you on the hook for that. But guess what doesn't need any service? Electric cars. They don't need service. So the dealership doesn't want to sell the cars. Yeah. Because they're that not going to make any money. Perfect sense. So the entire, in my opinion, the entire dealership structure is broken. And I think what you're going to see happen it is won't they, survive. they said, how many dealers do they have? Uh, 865 VW dealerships. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if that number is accurate. They went 865 times. But needless to say, there's hundreds of Volkswagen dealerships. And think of all the car dealerships altogether across the whole country. In Germany, America, whatever. There's too many. Yeah. There's way you're too right. many. There really so, only needs to be one in every metro per brand. I At some point, I think that's going to be true. Because you don't. Why do need, we need? You don't a, need so many service departments. You don't need because they're all. They all have a certain amount of hoist that based. You have to if you are this many volume sales to yep, be given the cars to sell. You have to have this many bays, this many service writers. That number is going to shrink and shrink and. Shrink. And there are still independent shops that a lot of people would rather go there. Yeah, absolutely, and those are going to start shrinking too. This yeah. entire dealership model, car maintenance model, is going to shrink. Big time. But just, and I think everybody's in for a huge shock in the next 10 years. It's a good point, though. Think about it. Like, why are there given, okay, what's an, what's a, probably the most common dealership in this area? It's either like a Ford dealership or yeah. like a Honda dealership, something like yeah. that. Chevy there's or probably GM or one in just about every single suburb in the metro. 100%. And there's one for every brand because these things need a lot of work to stay running. Unless you have a Jeep that goes through a bunch of mud, and then they'll just, <laughs> then they'll just deny your warranty anyway. This wasn't a, what happened with this. Just give me the rundown. I, I don't know, but the headline is that a Jeep owner brought his new Gladiator in for service after he went through like mud puddles and stuff. Which and they said, I don't know anything else I'd rather do if I had a Jeep exactly. Gladiator than drive through the mud and be like, yes, I'm an American man. <laughs> <laughs> and the dealer told him he voided his warranty by doing so. Got, so I literally just, everything they tell you to do in all of the marketing that you cannot do it what a bunch of bad press for them oh Holy my god cow. you know this dealer is just eating their words right now saying, oh, yeah. oh i'm so what sorry i'm so sorry do you know what was broken I, it was a bunch there was like i don't know if the water got into the electrical components or what i don't have the story up in front I'm of sorry, me sorry sir but your mud was just too deep yeah basically that's what they're saying all right so mercedes has revealed a new lcd and this is the buzzword oh my god 
hyper screen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that what the sound it makes? It is a hyper screen. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So the Mer- Mercedes EQS sedan will debut with the optional and that's hyper their, screen. that's their new EV, Chris. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a 56-inch wide screen. I saw I've had this. televisions... My TV right now is about 65 inches. Okay, so just, a, nice just to clarify. But I've had 55-inch TVs Chris, before, and they Chris, were big. Chris. Mine's 75. Yeah, but it's not OLED, is it? I don't know. It looks like garbage, I'm sure. I don't, I, <laughs> you have a sound bar, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, of course you do. Uh, so the widescreen with three control zones, including one for the front passenger with seven profiles. It is a 56-inch wide screen it's literally in your car. The entire dashboard is a screen now. But guess what it's called? What? M-Bucks. M-Bucks. M-B-U-X. M-Bucks. Which sounds like something that you would get if you go to the carnival and you want to exchange something for carnival toys. <laughs> I hey, was... how many M-Bucks do you have? Do you have any M-Bucks on you? It's just, <laughs> it sounds like the cheapest currency ever invented by humans. I thought it was human. the hyperscreen. No, it's called, it's M-Bucks and then you have the M-Bucks hyperscreen. So M-Bucks is the, is the, is the name of the, of the screen. The new screen is a curved OLED. With, it's M-Bucks. It's the worst <laughs> name ever. <laughs> Seriously, it is like a Chuck E. Cheese thing. Like, yeah, yeah. You well, how many, redeem your M-Bucks. How many M-Bucks can you ch- trade for like a plastic man with a little parachute that you can throw into the air and have a parachute? <laughs> um, the new screen is a curved OLED with zones for the inner instrument cluster. Uh, central. Actually, I don't care about any of this. All I care is about is that the name is stupid. So we'll just go to. Well, I uh, get this. The system is powered by eight CPU cores and has 24 gig of RAM with 46.4 gigabytes of RAM bandwidth per second. Yeah, it is nuts the computing power required for that and we've complained about large touchscreens in new cars before and i guess this is just the logical extreme right there is a camera however that recognizes who's in the car via facial recognition and it'll remember the user's past preferences and suggest them in the future and it'll change around what's on the screen based on your driving habits yeah but think about you know how there's memory buttons for like your seat oh, yeah. position oh yeah this thing will use a camera facial recognition oh yeah that's chris coming into the car and move everything around for you and get all your screen preferences thread you know what it probably say is oh my god that's chris get out <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing i'm in just here? like jabbing my finger on the screen trying to get it to oh. do things i a 56 inch 56 inch screen it's literally in your car. the width of the car and it has uh augmented reality too oh so you like say, head up display stuff? i don't know <laughs> i don't know what else do you need when you're driving around other than oil temperature water temperature and your speedometer oh, most people do not look at those all they look at is speedometer. But that's all you need. I agree. That's all you need. Maybe if you have a truck, you need a trans temperature. I had a truck once that didn't have the transmission temperature. I've that never had very, a vehicle with a transmission temperature. It's important when you're towing. It's important. Yeah, I suppose. But now you need to have, what music is playing? Is this the playlist I want? Is Who's this phone call coming from? All these, and augmented reality, I don't know what that means. What is it going to show that you're in a different place than you really are <laughs> as you're driving down the road? I know I sound like a little bit of a Luddite right now, but, but why do we need I augmented reality? I, it has to be a buzzword just for like an enhanced head-up display. It's I'm, probably a head-up display that's larger, and so it can project things all over the windshield. Maybe the driver could have a heads-up display as well, so they can monitor what's going on, like the ultimate backseat driver mode, where okay. they can see how fast the driver's going. Hey, honey, you're going oh, the 60. passenger you're yeah. saying will have the head-up yeah, display. Have, have a heads-up like display. That. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Um, so, Chris, this, this is an interesting story. A stowaway survived a 5,600-mile flight by clinging to a jumbo jet wheel at negative 60 degrees centi- centigrade? Centigrade. Celsius. Celsius. Hey, Siri, what is negative 60 degrees Celsius in Fahrenheit? 
Minus 60 degrees Celsius is minus 76 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think you can buy a commercial freezer that goes down that. that How this, wait, so this chilly. Okay, survived is the yes. keyword. 5,600 mile flight, which is a long way. That's a long time. Yeah, it's from South Africa to London. Ooh. Femba Kabeka, 30, held on to the jet's undercarriage for the entire 11-hour flight from South Africa. Are you saying London. held on because he held on and then froze in the position that he was holding on and then he just was just there? Um, well, he, he spoke out for the first time about this horrifying experience. It actually happened back in 2015, and he's just talking about it. He was unconscious in a hospital for six months after he was discovered on the runway at the airport in London. So he was in basically suspended animation, yeah. right? I mean, this is... This is the technology we've all been waiting for. <laughs> that guy from Greenpeace that's going around all the Volkswagens saying they're not green enough, uh -huh. he should just do this, and then he can be frozen for the next 10 years, and when he wakes up, everybody will be buying electric cars, and his life will be complete. He can, he can skip this 10 years of horror while all the, the combustion engine cars are driving around. Sure. Okay. Um, as much as you're making light of the story, it is pretty sad. After Themba emerged from his coma, he was told that his best friend, who he had started the journey with, had fallen to his death at 5,000 feet. Ooh. Themba had tied himself to the plane, basically the front landing gear, with an electrical cable wrapped around his arm. But soon after takeoff from Johannesburg on June 18th, 2015, he passed out via lack of oxygen. The yeah. two men were escaping South Africa and the immense poverty of their campsite. But just minutes before landing... As far landing, as I know, South Africa has been hell for the last five years. It seems yeah. like not great. Yeah. Uh, just minutes before landing, his friend fell from the British Airways plane as the landing gear deployed. Quote, I didn't care whether I lived or died. I had to leave Africa to survive, says Themba. Everybody that's, there's <laughs> a lot going on in America right now. Yeah. But I guarantee you nobody listening to this podcast and probably not a living soul in this country would consider tying themselves to. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, a good point. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody's doing something that drastic to get out of here. True. Let's just take a second and get things in perspective as we all complain about how bad 2020 was. And oh my gosh, 2021 looks just as worse, just as bad. Well, we're, well, we're not off to a great start. No, well, why don't you just tie yourself to some landing gear and get the fuck out of here then? <laughs> no, nobody's going to do that because it's still freaking awesome. So stop whining. All right, go ahead. Doctors believe he survived because the freezing temperatures kept him in a state of suspended there animation. With a lowered core body temperature, his critical organs were placed into a standby mode where they basically didn't need oxygen, which he didn't have at the altitude. And this Did is... Did he have freezer burn, do you think? You know, that kind of like that crusty stuff that's on top of ice cream when you open the lid? Yeah, he probably had hypothermia <laughs> everywhere, and that's why they put him in a coma for six months. God. This is unfortunately actually somewhat common. In the United States alone, between 1947 and 2015, the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration, aka the FAA, has recorded 113 such attempts on 101 flights. Hold on. So... Yes, there are people trying to get the hell out of here. 113 attempts on one... Oh, I suppose you have multiple people doing it at once. Right. I was going to say those numbers don't add up. So 113 attempts on 101 flights, either departing or landing in the U.S. And of these people, 113 of them, 86 have died. That's 76% of the people who have attempted to basically stow away on a plane and landing gear have died from it. Pretty stupid thing to do. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. P PSA, don't do this. <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> right. Um, Chris... Setting a car on fire is a terrible way to ring in the new year. 
I agree. Why would we do this? Well, unfortunately, it appear, apparently is something of a tradition in Europe and across Europe. It started in the 1990s, largely as a form of protest on the outskirts of big cities, but the attention it received from media outlets helped to turn it into a contest. <laughs> Folks okay. in major urban centers began torching as many cars as possible on December 31st after dark and waiting for government officials to publish the numbers on January 1st, the next day, to see which city had burned the most vehicles. What is it about Europe and doing dumb contests? There's also, like, I watched this show. It was all about, basically, about dumb contests on Netflix. And oh, I watched that, too! The, watch the, the cheese one rolling Where one? they roll cheese yes, down a hill, and then they, awesome. and then they and just then chase they, after like, it? die? Break their arms yes. and legs? and the one chick had her the... collarbone broken, and she's like, yeah, they said they couldn't do anything. The same people and that my invented... wife's like, that is not right. You can actually fix that. And I just <laughs> don't know what they're talking about. Well, there's something in the water over there, for sure. But this, is, is, this was designed by the same person. Well, let's just... Set all the cars on fire. It's just, it's anarchists who are like, yeah, let's cause destruction and the same soccer hooligans, damn it. This isn't a sanctioned thing. No, it is not. Folks in major urban centers began torching as many cars as possible. As I said, on New Year's Eve, Paris and Marseille, cities opposed geographically, culturally, and in sports, normally alternated on the top of the podium. Alarmed, the government urged law enforcement officials not to publish city-specific numbers and later stop providing a national count in a bid to quell the rivalry. All right, let's not tell these people how many cars they're burning so they don't try to compete <laughs> with each other. But unfortunately, statistics do float to the surface via leaks in yeah. the departments. All you have to do is count the cars. Anybody can just count them. <laughs> it's not that difficult. The total for 2020 was obtained by Europe One from anonymous sources inside the French government. And while it represents a 41% decrease compared to New Year's Eve on 2019, a total of 861 cars were meaninglessly burned. And it's an immense number and a massive waste. Still not as bad as cash for clunker, though. Though, I mean, that was That's a much true, bigger waste. But at least that you chose to destroy your own car. Oh, these are just burning other people's this cars. This is just cars on the street, Chris. Ooh, I bet car insurance is expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's Oh, this destruction of other people's property. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought, no, I thought it's we were not, just taking cars that didn't run anymore. No. Like, well, this Citroen hasn't ran when parked, but it doesn't run right now. Uh, so burn it. I mean, most Citroens aren't running probably right now anyways, but. Yeah, that's probably true. No, it's it's a bad deal. Can you imagine being in like your your apartment in Paris and uh, it's bad. On Monday we have our third installment of the Indomitable Railroad. Right. Which we are great. coming to a close on our series about the railroad, the history thereof, and we're going to focus on the technology of it from the steam locomotive itself all the way up to today's technology with diesel electric locomotives. Yes, I look forward to finishing that off with you. Um, otherwise, I want you guys to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Leave us a review. Five stars is great. Um, otherwise, don't leave anything because then we don't want to hear from you if you don't love the. I like some of the feedback. You like some of the feedback? Yeah. Yeah, well, send it to us and don't leave us a, a lesson. <laughs> you can just contact us directly for that kind of thing. Anyway, we would love to hear from you either way. We will see you guys on Monday. Take care.